Hello and welcome to Meet the Education Researcher. This is a podcast from the Faculty of Education, Monash University in Melbourne, Australia. Hello, my name is Neil Selwyn and in this episode of Meet the Education Researcher, I'm talking with Tamara Moore from Purdue University in the US. Tamara is a professor of engineering education and she was visiting Monash to talk about the so-called STEM subjects. That's science, technology, engineering and maths. So we got talking about a range of topics, starting with Tamara's interest in promoting engineering thinking in K-12 schools. So first off, I got Tamara to describe exactly what engineering thinking is. Engineering thinking is the way that an engineer would approach problems. Uh, And so engineers look at the world through trying to come up with solutions to problems uh, that uh, require an an engineering solution. Now, that sounds very circular. So let me get a little more detailed about that. Um, When we approach problems to create a technology that will solve a problem, the way we think about those problems then uh, requires us to use lots of different kinds of information. So some of the, a lot of that is based on uh, user needs, client desires, uh, what, the, what their underlying problem really is. So sometimes a, a, a client might come to us and say, you know, I've got X problem, uh, and, and they actually have a solution in mind even. And as an engineer, I will try and listen to what they're talking about, but take a few steps back and say, what's the real need? What's the real problem that you're really trying to solve? Because I want to go about it thinking about many different possibilities. And sometimes we can help a client solve a problem without an engineered solution, right? Because not every problem needs an engineered solution. Mm. Uh, Sometimes just changing policy or changing, you know, just the way something is done can solve the real underlying problem that they're looking at. So after you get to that, then you really are trying to design a technology. So I'm going to use a technology in a very broad way, like anything that's from the designed world is a technology to address the needs there. And the goal is then, you know, new technologies cause new types of problems. So you want to reduce those problems uh, and make it something that's usable and affordable. And uh, generally, I mean, this is a little bit over generalization, but usable and affordable and uh, will solve the problem well. So transferring these engineering thinking processes to a school, to K-12 schooling, mm-hmm. is completely different. We don't have clients. We don't have people. So, I mean, how, do, how does it translate over? When I try and translate it over, I create clients for them. So in order for a student to really participate in an engineering design process, I want them working for someone. And so sometimes those clients will feel like a more traditional engineering client, but most of the time they don't. So especially when I'm looking at really young ones like uh, prep one, two grades, uh, you know, sometimes their clients are other children or um, or someone who owns a pet store or mm. something like that. Whereas, you know, as an engineer, a lot of times my clients are someone from a corporation or even my boss uh, is, is at that point my client because the company needs something from me or whatever. So we try and make the clients be something that will engage the students and, and help them see how engineers save the world. I'm going to put air quotes around that one, save the world, because almost everything in the design world, which is primarily where we live, is touched by an engineer. So I want them to have some understanding mm. of that. And you put a lot of emphasis on context. So yes. I guess when you're working with prep, year one, year two, the pet shop is the context? That's right. That's right. So uh, like we have a we have a first grade curriculum that... Uh, they're designing a hamster habitat. So it gets at scientific ideas of basic needs and some math ideas, but the context is 
they're working for the pet owner who wants to improve this one particular habitat for hamsters and make it better for their hamster, their hamster clients and the people clients that own those hamsters. So I, I, I guess, I mean, that's, that's clearly um, the way forward in terms of working with young kids. But I mean, do, how can we ensure that the context that we choose fit diverse groups of students. I guess one yeah. of the problems is that a context can be as excluding for some as it can be including for others. Yeah, that's a huge issue that, I, that comes in my work and many others. And so uh, I really encourage teachers to um, use their own knowledge of their students. I have a good example. We have one uh, problem that's called historic hotels. And that works really well in sort of a middle class school setting. But when we try to put that in inner city schools, students have no context of even, they've never stayed in a hotel and, you know, they have no understanding of how hotels work. And so that really didn't work. So we changed the context of the same basic problem to talk about renting spaces in a farmer's market mm. for this particular space because it worked really well for them. And so a lot of times contexts have to be place-based and you have to think about your students. Uh, but I also try to make sure that all my contexts have multiple ways for students to enter in. So, you know, some people will be excited about the hamster or some people and other students might be excited about the fact they're going to get to build something. And you know, others might be excited about um, just the word engineer to begin with. And those are not usually the same kid. And, mm. you know, the chances of hitting every kid in every classroom is low, but the chance of hitting all, almost all of them is high. Now, you're saying that some kids are just excited by the word engineer. I don't want to encourage a science and arts division, but I mean, <laughs> this is still an issue, isn't it? So right. I mean, how can we encourage an interest in engineering thinking in people who consider themselves to be someone that doesn't do math and doesn't see themselves mm. as an engineer? I, what my work doesn't suggest that we teach everything through engineering. It suggests that, uh, you know, a math or science teacher would drop this kind of thing in maybe a couple of times a year. I, I don't want to discount the disciplinary importance of each of the subjects that mm. we're talking about. But when we are uh, trying to teach the math or science through engineering, the context usually drives it more often than anything else. And the, and the kids are excited about solving this, what feels like to them a real world problem. Um, and that often gets rid of all of the questions about when am I ever going to use this or I don't like science. They, they All of a sudden they're learning something because it's going to help this cute little fuzzy hamster yeah, and now yeah. they want to do it. No, that's really neat. And I wanted to talk to you more about STEM, science, technology, engineering and math. And you say there are these very distinct disciplinary boundaries, but I guess what, what is STEM to you and how is it more than the sum of its parts? So I think you can look at STEM sort of with the periods where we're talking about the disciplinary boundaries and the, the disciplinary way people look at those pieces. But you can also look at them as a, a, a group of, of very interrelated topics. And so uh, when I think about the fields of science and the fields of, of engineering and the fields of math, though the people who work in those more pure disciplines have ways that they approach problems. And they're, and they're different. And who, who defines what problems they're going to work at differ. But engineering is a natural integrator for the STEM subjects because engineers uh, have to use the content from science and math. And the result of an engineering design process is a technology. And we need technologies to develop the next technology. And so they, they really naturally integrate the content, not necessarily the disciplinary practices of those spaces. And so, and same thing for science. Science naturally integrates the content from math and it naturally integrates technologies. Um, and sometimes scientists must develop a new technology in order to do more of their science. So they are then acting mm. like engineers. So most of them naturally in integrate. I think science, I think mathematics can be the most sort of pure. I can do everything in paper, pencil, but that's that's even way too far of a stretch. So engineering is kind of like the glue that kind of binds them all together. I use the word glue in my work <laughs> all the time. 
Now, I guess we hear a lot about the STEM pipeline and diversity in mm. STEM as well. So, I mean, in, in your mind, what are the main issues that we need to be kind of thinking about here? Well, I think I think the word pipeline is problematic because pipeline suggests that there are ways into one sort of, if you imagine a river with tributaries that are flowing towards a larger body of water, um, there's only one way into that bigger river. And I think it needs to be con- more considered multiple pathways. Mm. And so there are many pathways to get to engineering and engineering can look very different for very different people. Uh, and so I want kids to be exposed to engineering at lots of different ways at lots of different times in their world, even if they don't want to be an engineer, because understanding our designed world is incredibly important. Again, because I think people think that engineers have this typical, stereotypical way of of being and, you know, they're, they're nerdy with pocket protectors and hard hats and what have you. And we need to break that stereotype. So we want to make sure that they're seeing lots of different things that engineers do around the world. And, and uh, you know, not all engineers do good things, and that's unfortunate. But I, I want to make sure for kids we show off the amazing things that engineers are, mm. are doing on a regular basis just so that they have a good feeling about engineering and, and what engineers are. But talking about not all engineers doing good things, I mean, flipping the logic, there is this argument now that we need to get much more arts-based, politics-based education into engineering curricula. So, I mean, mm. how do we do this? I mean, how do we get engineers to think about politics and poetics and aesthetics? Aesthetics, I think, is is incredibly important uh, in engineering. And I I like to use an example around things like pacemakers and um, ports that are put in for chemotherapy. Those go inside of the body, yet you can get them in colors. Did you know that? Like you get to pick your color of your pacemaker or the color of your port that's going inside of you because we care about what things look like. Yeah. Even when in the end it's not going to be seen. Uh, Or think about under the hood of your car. Uh, You know, if if your car is – if it's all dirty and mangled and yuck – we don't like it, but when you open one of those little fancy cars and it's like everything's in its place and it's all put in a beautiful shroud, you're like, yeah, that's really cool. So that's important, even though it really has almost nothing to do with the function. Mm. Um, we we care about what things look like. And as so as users of technology, aesthetics are very important. And so I agree with you on that end. And from a policy perspective, um, we also – also that's incredibly important. There are entire lines of engineering that actually their, their real jobs is to understand and interpret code and make decisions on what what they're going to do with their designs based on what they can do with code, for example. Mm. And civil engineers really spend tons of their time digging through through law. And so, yes, those kinds of things are important. I think engineers should be parts of some some political conversations around things like climate change and such because they have a lot to add. And I think that we as engineers need to learn from those. And the way that I try to get at that is I've tried to put uh, in my – particularly in my first-year engineering course that I teach at Purdue – I try to put context in there where they are going to have to do some of the research around that. And the research that they need isn't just technical research, but is in fact thinking about the end user and the cl- and the client and the world that they live in and the kinds of things that affect them. And then as soon as you get to that, then you're looking at things like aesthetics and, and yeah, policy. Absolutely. Now, I wanted to just shift gears a little bit. And I'm always interested in academic positioning. OK. Now, you work in a school of engineering education. I do. Um, so how does that go down with the kind of mainstream engineers? Do they see it as a super important thing or is it a little bit on the margins? My department, which is called a school, uh, is inside of a college of engineering. So we are one of the schools of engineering at Purdue. So there's the School of Mechanical Engineering and the School of, of Electrical Engineering and com- Electrical and Computer Engineering. Uh, and then there's the School of Engineering Education. We have our own uh, bachelor's degree that comes out of ours. It's called multidisciplinary engineering. So if someone wants to do something a little bit 
different. They mm. can they can come and, and get a bachelor's through us. Uh, but our PhD students uh, are PhD students of engineering education, which means they want to study engineering problems in the educational space. Uh, so we are well regarded amongst our faculty friends across the college for the most part, but probably like everybody, there's somebody who doesn't love us and, and uh but we're okay with that. We we we're doing we're doing okay, and we're doing our work, and we're doing it well. So. And how do you bump up against education researchers? I, I have always found education researchers to be very friendly with us uh, in in terms of uh, like I think they see that we we have a niche that they don't mm. necessarily feed. There are plenty of engineering education researchers who fall in a college of education. In fact, I was one of those in my previous job at the University of Minnesota. I did math education and engineering education together. So I don't think that's really a – there's not much divide there. I think they see that we can add something to the STEM conversation uh, because, with, because most of us have engineering backgrounds as well as education backgrounds. So it adds – I think they see us as adding to the conversation. Yeah, we're under so much pressure to be interdisciplinary. That's right. A school like that actually makes perfect sense. So like, just a couple of specific questions about your own research. Okay. I mean, what have you been doing recently? What projects are you currently working on? Um, I've been really moving towards uh, computational thinking and what role computational thinking plays in the STEM integration area. My primary work over the course of my uh, of my career has been uh, engineering design based STEM integration, particularly around curriculum curricular materials development. Uh, and during that, I always then study like what are students learning through it, how are teachers implementing it. So I'm much more of a K twelve researcher. So I fit very well with a college of education, in fact. Mm. Uh, but my students, I teach our post-secondary engineer, engineering students, usually in the first year for the most of them. Um, and so I'm teaching them things like trying to understand design and modeling and uh, some problem-solving things around computer tools and computer programming. So that, that interest in computer programming has really led me to sort of think about how computational thinking can be in, also integrated in. And that's starting to show up in our standards around the, around the U.S. Mm. And it, it often happens gets added into the science education standards. So engineering has been added into the science education standards and computational thinking is starting to get added into the science education standards. And so uh, I'm thinking about how this can get added in with engineering at the same time. So with an engineering context and engineering problem, how are we going to get these computational thinking ideas? Uh, you know, and computational thinking leads to computing, but not everything that I'm doing is computing. It's the underlying things like pattern recognition or algorithmic thinking or something. Yeah, it could just be seen as logic as well. So in some yeah, ways, yeah, it's... absolutely. And and logic is again something we want all kids to know, right? Absolutely, it's, it's helpful no matter where you're going. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mean, what have you been reading recently? I can't. It's also yeah. been getting you excited. So uh, I'm going to put a little shameless plug in. <laughs> I've got a handbook uh, of STEM education that's coming out shortly, and so for that. Uh, handbook, we, uh, the first chapter, which I am the first author of, uh, we did a, a systematized-ish kind of lit review of everyone who's had, that we could find who had defined STEM integration in their literature. And uh, together, we were able to sort of come up with some of the main caveats of what that looks like. Um, and that process of reading everyone's different definitions of STEM integration is really great. But I also do a lot of good really interesting representational fluency types of work. And there's a new uh, paper that just came out uh, this year called Engineering Representations Guide, Students Problem Solving in Statics. And so this work um, is pulling on some different ways of thinking about representational fluency that I haven't really quite looked at. Like they, they look at the ways, some of the ways that I do it, but they're doing it a little bit differently too because it's a different subject in how the students are learning and it is different. So mm. I really like that that one, at least as far as I've gotten in it at this point. It's bringing up new thoughts, giving you it new is. ideas. It is, yeah. 
And just finally, I mean, what's on the horizon? What are you thinking about in the back of your mind that you might be doing in five years' time? If I, if I can find some funding for it, uh, one of the things I really want to do is I'd like to take the work I've been doing. I have a grant called Engineering Teams, uh, which is an acronym that stands for Engineering to Transform the Education of Analysis, Measurement, and Science. Uh, in that work, we had teachers developing curricular units. That's, that's some of what we've been talking about today. But I've got a, an idea of trying to do some similar things, but in fact, moving it towards computational thinking. And so we can get some teachers together to develop the, the curricular, some curricular drop-in units for science teachers with computational thinking as, as the main sort of glue, although engineering will still be there, obviously. Uh, so I, I'm hoping that, that we can get that funded. So I'm going to try and put in a proposal probably in February for that. That and, sounds like the kind of thing that does get funded. So. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping. Who's <laughs> well, knocking on wood? Watch this space. Well, fantastic. Thanks ever so much for that. It's been great to hear about your work. And Thank you. Good luck in the future. Thank you.